Thank you for listening to the only podcast dedicated to the business of pharmacy. Welcome to the Pharmacy Podcast Show. You can find all of our episodes at pharmacypodcast.com. I'm Joe Lavelle, co-founder of Intrepid Now, managing editor of Intrepid Healthcare, and you're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast. Hey there, Pharmacy Podcast listeners. Thanks for coming back for another episode. And you've heard me say so many times, I've met some uh, trendsetters. I've met um, so many of my uh, valued contacts in our healthcare industry, in our pharmacy sector um, on Twitter. And this is a guest that is I found the exact same way in following great information specific to healthcare IT. I ran into um, this gentleman at the HIMSS 2015 conference in Chicago, Mr. Joe Lavelle. Welcome to the Pharmacy Podcast. How are you? I'm great, Todd. It's my great pleasure to be here. Thanks so much. I'm a great fan of your show. Thank you. So I have to first set the the stage. Uh, We are fellow podcasters, so you've actually helped to co-found Intrepid Now, which is educating and instigating change in healthcare IT. Um, you've driven a ton of content about the uh, the switch from ICD nine to ten. You concentrate on big data. You're a you're a patient advocate champion, um, and I'm I'm a fan now of the Intrepid Now podcast. So give us some background on yourself, and then Intrepid Now. Sure. After 25 years of being a health IT consultant, I promised my then seven-year-old that I'd get off the road and quit leaving on Sunday nights and coming back on Fridays. And I had to find something to do. So a couple years before that, I started collaborating in podcasts and social media with a gentleman named Todd Schnick, who lives in Atlanta. And we created a couple of mutual shows. And I started out just by being a guest on some episodes the timing just happened to be right at the end of one of my last projects for Todd and I to connect and put together a few properties that he had, some related to healthcare and some not, all into one media property called Intrepid Now. And that's what we use for distribution of all the content that we develop, both in our prospecting and in our content development for our for our clients and customers. So, yeah, if you go to... Intrepid Now, there's an entire, like you said, portfolio of information and services uh, really centered around um, our healthcare systems. And you have a section dedicated to telemedicine, which, by the way, is a very hot topic right now in pharmacy, being able to collaborate with telemedicine technologies, bringing customers into quick care clinic settings where they could engage a physician through a quick uh, telemedicine visit. Um, so what do you see as someone who really has your ear down on the train tracks of what is healthcare IT? Um, what's hot right now in our system and, and making the most impact in digital health? Oh, it's a great question. You know, we're finishing up this craze about meaningful use and putting the infrastructure down. So I think we can really do some exciting things that we've been talking about for a long time. Before I talk about those exciting things, I think it's important to go back and talk about meaningful use. As I was helping customers get to meaningful use, I found that one of the most complicated things, Todd, was right in your area. Pharmacists were the key part of our projects. And I'm not sure 
if if you had content back then, 2008, 2009, 2010, on this, but when order sets needed to be created, the most complicated order sets happened to be pharmacy order sets, and that's also where you had uh, a pharmacist that you could work with to create those order sets as opposed to um, making physicians do that. So anyways, what I found is I started learning a lot more about the pharmacy in healthcare through meaningful use. Now that we have meaningful use and we have all these order sets in hospitals and we have them in the outpatient uh, world as well within these EMRs, we can now use that electronic infrastructure to enable, as you said, telemedicine, mHealth, uh, all these other exciting technologies that for my 25 years in healthcare, uh, every year it was going to be, this is the year that telemedicine really takes off. But I feel like one with, you know, the the development of the Internet and the maturity of the Internet where everybody has apps on their phones and we all have these devices that we carry around that measures our heartbeat and our how many steps we take, that we now have all the enabling technology and the infrastructure to weave it together. And as you said, we're starting to see many, many telemedicine firms. I spent the last two weeks booking over 20 guests uh, for interviews next week to do telemedicine or next month to do telemedicine interviews from the various aspects, whether it be pharmacy, whether it be a dermatologist, whether it be a psychologist or a psychiatrist, all different ways to leverage the infrastructure that we've laid down and the, the portability that we've created by really enabling mobile technologies in telemedicine. Yeah, I've noticed just in the last two weeks, uh, Joe, you've released several shows that have mentioned telemedicine and how that will impact our healthcare system and the necessary places um, that it needs to actually be placed. Let's kind of break that nut open a little bit more. I don't think telemedicine, because I think there's pros and cons to kind of the rollout, I don't think it belongs everywhere. I think it belongs places that we know through data can tell us where the bottlenecks are of getting patients seen for states and conditions that telemedicine is absolutely designed for. And this is beyond just having your own handheld or your iPad where you could do this from home because that's not the demographic I'm talking about. There have been studies done that have shown that lots of people are reluctant to uh, using a telehealth because they think there might be a quality of service difference than actually being seen by the physician. And obviously, if you're in front of a doctor, it's it's always, always optum to be physically in front of them. But if you have pink eye or you have you know a slight sore throat and uh, or something you know going on with one of your ears, and you can use some of these telemedicine devices in a uh, in a healthcare oriented community, for example, like a community pharmacy. Walk into the community pharmacy, uh, step up to the telemedicine kiosk, whatever it is that you need to do, utilize those instruments, um, hurry up and get your, the assessment, the correct assessment, the best assessment, what's going on, and then get your prescription if there needs to be one. It's, it's a turnaround, and it's once again, it's perfect for regions and rural areas that are, are having these huge bottlenecks of being seen by the physician for less serious cases. I've seen telemedicine organizations who have put business plans together really um, target 
anyone and everyone that wants to engage and kind of pick up on, you know, the services itself rather than kind of focusing on the sweet spot, what I would consider a sweet spot vertical to really build telemedicine out. And in my opinion, it's these community pharmacies who are looking for additional ways to give their communities more healthcare services to once again embed one of these kiosks inside their and, and these kiosks, Joe, they can be like a health spot, which is this huge, you know, step in, you know, capsule per se that fits an entire body. And there's a staff person sitting outside of it that signs you in. And then they open up the, the this huge, you know, canister and you step inside it and you engage a physician. Or it can be as simple as an iPad in a small closed off private room that maybe a technician gives you kind of an overview of how to use the the iPad and, and connect to the specific doctor and then get started. And if you have any questions, just, um, you know, pick up our intercom phone or something like that. But there's so many models and there's so many ways to marry telemedicine to the community pharmacy. And I think it's going to give privately owned pharmacies, it's going to give the independent pharmacies a tremendous leg up, especially with things that are happening in the marketplace, such as the Walgreens and Rite Aid um, supposed merger. Todd, you couldn't be more right. If I had to come up with a couple of words or for people to use as a guideline. It's appropriateness of workflow. I had the great fortune during my 25 years to probably spend about 25% of that in PACS and teleradiology. And I watched all the mistakes because we really were the early adopters in telemedicine. For whatever reason, people were com- more comfortable letting radiologists uh, practice via telemedicine. And what we found out first was your workflow is going to be different in an automated world than it is in a manual world. It's going to be different when you're not on site than when you're on site. So you have to develop that different workflow. So you have this different use case. And if you try to practice medicine the same way you practice when they're in the room, you're going to make mistakes or you're going to, you're not going to serve your population well. So each use case, whether it be medication safety, medication adherence, you have to fully understand what the technology can do, fully understand what the software you're using can do and what your users need, and then really focus on making that workflow work well, first for the patient, uh, then for the doctor, and then obviously to make sure that everybody's going to be compensated appropriately. Right. And there's been a, it almost seems like a consensus on the telemedicine engagement, which is landing at a specific price point that is actually pretty low and can fall outside of insurance if it need be, so that a patient doesn't have to be held up by trying to uh, weave together uh, a physician engagement situation where they're using insurance and I've heard ranges anywhere from $30 to $60 uh, really the majority of them are like $40 per session and it's priced in a way that if you really wanted to get a, a you know a quick assessment done on something uh, that you're you're suffering with that isn't that serious or at least you're not interpreting it to be at, at least you can get in front of a physician through you know through your telemedicine service and so it's it's fascinating to me as someone who kind of sits back and watches all of this to see where it's going to play and of course my my focus is is how it's going to uh, benefit the the pharmacy care model 
So um, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, more of of what's coming and the collaboration. But also, I'm going to be paying attention to IntrepidNow.com uh, and your podcasts uh, with some of the people that you're bringing to the table. Well, I'm going to be working really hard to find the real innovators. That's what we do. Just to give you a, a sense of how we go to market, we try and develop content for clients. How we find clients is we find we look for the innovators and we invite them on our show to tell what they're doing. And the ones that we really connect with, we pitch to do more content development with them. And you know those are the ones that you'll see some series from us or uh, most of what we do after that first interview ends up being white labeled and produced through other channels, through their channels, distributed through their website, their Twitter feeds, that kind of stuff. But, you know, that's kind of our model. And the most interesting parts of our model are where different parts of, or the, of healthcare, I mean, is where the different parts of healthcare are aligning. Healthcare has siloed itself for years, right? And who hasn't benefited from that? The patient. Right. They, they siloed itself. Uh, and I've, I've been really studying this a lot the last few months because I've been alienated as a consumer of healthcare uh, many times over the past couple of years. But healthcare, the reason it's so siloed is because it, after all the Six Sigma and Lean projects they, they implement on themselves, the idea was to reduce cost. It wasn't to create great service. Every year, Medicare, every year, Medicaid, you know, reduces the amount of money they're going to pay for things. So our healthcare providers, our pharmacists, our hospitals, our physicians have had to find ways to reduce costs. So they haven't, they haven't been focused on how's this going to work better for the patient. And I think with, uh, with what Medicare is doing with some of the regulations over the last few years, including meaningful use and other, other big regulatory items is to say, look, we did it wrong before. Now we need to manage the whole. It's cost isn't the only part of this equation. We need to make sure that things make sense, that you don't have to get four x-rays done or you don't, it would be utterly impossible. It still is because uh, we're not quite finished with meaningful use. If you have four d different doctors who are all prescribing drugs for you, you have to print out your EMRs and bring those to the pharmacist if you're smart enough to do this and show them, here's all the drugs I'm taking. You know, we've still got room and there's innovators out there that are solving problems like that because now the data is digital. And that's exciting. And those are the people, you know, that I want on our show, you want on your show. And we, you know, our, our, both our job is to highlight these folks and get the word out there so they get more visibility. That's right. So if you're listening to the show today and you're um, not aware of Intrepid Now, take a look, intrepidnow.com. If you are listening and you want to provide some feedback to Joe and his team or even uh, propose being on his show, uh, send him an email, um, reach out to the organization uh, once again through intrepidnow.com and, um, and propose something. I think it would be great to have some cross sharing of, of ideas and intelligence between uh, pharmacy and healthcare and healthcare systems, especially through uh, digital health and technology. So 
uh, definitely do that. Hey, I'm going to shift gears, Joe, and talk about podcasting in general. As someone who's been podcasting since March of 2009, um, my audience was really uh, lacking, anemic. It it didn't really even explode until right around 2012. Why do you think it's taken a while for our healthcare constituents, uh, collaborators, thought leaders to really understand the value of sitting in your car during a 25, 30, 60 minute commute? And popping on a podcast and really getting some very good information out there instead of having to read something, which you're not supposed to be reading when you're driving anyhow. So what's your what's your opinion on podcasting as a whole and um, and why it hasn't been bigger than than what it is? It's a great question, Todd. And I I've taken it on as like this personal goal, not only with podcasting, but I would say social media in general. Healthcare is several years behind in terms of adoption. And so one of the things I do is I have a presentation I give to whoever will let me go and speak about social media that I include podcasting. And I start out by saying to whatever audience it is, how many people have changed jobs in the last uh, five years? And everyone in the room raises their hand. And then I say, how many people have changed their jobs in the last two years? And you know, most people raise their hand. I said, well, you're going to be competing against people who are social media savvy, who do listen to podcasts, and they're going to have more information than you. This is why you need to, if you don't have to be a producer, you and I produce content, right? And that takes effort, and uh, it's something we like to do. But at a minimum, people need to consume. But I think the biggest challenge is it's hard to know how to consume. These technologies get so complicated so fast. Think back when you and I got on Twitter when it first started, you know, we're doing the basics, but we've got seven years of expertise of how to be good and how to mine good information on Twitter. So in these presentations, I give people the shortcuts of how how to learn that. I think there's still a lot of education we can give on how to consume podcasts. I... I interviewed a podcaster this week and asked him, how does he consume them? He, he uses iTunes. That's great. I use uh, a, an app called Overcast. I love Overcast. It's easier on my cell phone. It's easier for me to switch between episodes. It cues episodes in the order they come out. So as you say, when I'm in my, phone, in my car and I'm looking at my phone, I don't really have to touch it. I just hit, you know, hit play and I... Yesterday, I was on the road for three and a half hours each way to a meeting, and I just hit play twice, you know, up and back and listen to episode after episode, including several of yours, Todd. So I think the real challenge is healthcare people are busy delivering healthcare and fighting all the regulatory environment. So they don't have time to sit on Twitter and understand, hey, Todd's got another great episode on whatever it is. So Folks like you and me, in addition to podcasting, we have to be out there evangelizing how people how for people to put filters so they can grab the content they want. If they're only interested in medication adherence, they'll get all the blogs, all the tweets, all the podcasts in one place and they can listen to those every morning. They can go and look at their queue and, you know, catch up as as they have time to. And I think that's gonna continue to be a challenge for us to teach 
people how to be consumers of what we produce, all the content. Makes a lot of sense. And um, like you said, I think we get we all get so busy that we don't realize that there's sometimes resources out there. So just knowing that there's a healthcare uh, IT driven uh, podcast to give consistent information. You guys are putting out content all the time. How many how many podcasts would you say you're, you guys are, are delivering uh, in a month? For both my partner Todd and I, we shoot to do three a week. Okay. Some weeks we'll have six and, you know, some weeks we'll have one. If we have a trade show going on, we may not have any that week, but then because we've done a trade show, we'll have, you know, every day for the next 30 days, we'll have an episode to share. So we're, we're getting to the point and we're adding contributors where our goal is to have uh, at least one a day exiting this year and entering next year where we have a plan to to do at least two great episodes a day. That's excellent. Yeah, um, we're doing about two a week on average. And then um, if we have a, a special guest that um, that wants to come on and talk about a specific issue, it kind of increases it. But it, it's interesting that when I when I started first doing podcasting and and realized that I was looking for different guests, it was like we I had to educate guests to even what a podcast was now that's not it happens very seldom now people pretty much know what it means but nonetheless um it's i've even thought i should probably do a podcast on a healthcare oriented podcast <laughs> just to explain to the to the to the healthcare industry what what we're doing why we're doing it and uh and how to leverage it based on keywords and obviously hashtagging that would be f- fabulous i'll tell you I will take that episode and run it on Intrepid now because we've talked about the same thing. Right. Well, um, what's coming up for Intrepid now? Are there any special um, episodes or subjects uh, that you're preparing that you'd like to uh, share with our listeners and pharmacy podcast listeners to get them excited about some of the things that Intrepid now are, uh, are, are concentrating on? Absolutely. Two big things are coming up for us, Todd. The first is... I'm really focused on telemedicine over the next month and getting as much visibility to all these innovators as possible. And in parallel to that, starting with the end of November, we're going to do our big push for HIMS 16. HIMS is the big healthcare IT trade show every year. Last year, there was over 40,000 people for the first time. There'll be probably 42,000 people in Las Vegas at the end of February this year. It's probably 25% of our revenue for the year we generate at HIMSS through our various clients and our various projects that we get going. So we'll start previewing what's going to be going on at HIMSS. We'll start interviewing both our clients and potential prospects and others that just want to get the word out of what they're going to be doing special at HIMSS this year. So we're looking forward to both of those things, and they'll pretty much consume our time between now the end of the year and then really heading up into into hymns at the end of February. Hey, have you had uh, physicians on your on your show? Absolutely. Okay, so if you get an opportunity to to run into a physician who's leveraged the science of pharmacogenomics, I'll tell you what that I've done several pharmacogenomic episodes and talk about a fascinating science for someone who isn't clinical. Um, it's one of the most fascinating 
sciences that um, that of course involves medication absorption, and it it just blew me away to think of the advancement in being able to take a two two cheek swabs, one on each side, and then process that to come up with a DNA plan, uh, DNA mapping of what medications will or will not work in your system, and it's just that that in itself is just gonna completely revolutionize our our health how healthcare is delivered what medications are going to be part of the therapies and actually drug development is going to be affected by that too this yeah, is you ever run into a physician that <laughs> that you talk with that that has done anything with pharmacogenomics that that'll be an exciting episode <laughs> well there's a research project for me now todd in addition to the telemedicine and hymns actually if i could find somebody that has some connection between uh telemedicine or hymns in pharmacogenomics. That's what I'm going to be looking for on Twitter the next couple of weeks. That's right. Well, Joe, I wanted to thank you so much for um, for being on the Pharmacy Podcast. You're really leading the charge and delivering incredible content. I'm a huge fan of Intrepid Now. Uh, listeners, once again, if you want to find the show, it's intrepidnow.com. Um, there's a podcast section um, and uh, I'm excited to to retweet some of your stuff that uh, comes across as interesting to me, and um, you know keep it up. I know it's I I know because I'm the one that's doing it too. It's not easy. Uh, we 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 have to chase after these guests and find the content, do the production. So it, it's it's a uh, you know a fist pump to uh, fellow podcasters out there. Well, thank you for the kind words, Todd. You are the pioneer here. I can't believe that you had the guts to get started way back when and really you know, pave a lot of roads for us and probably learn a lot of lessons with a lot of technology that wasn't as good as we get to use today. You know, we're all in it together and there's still, you know, if you fit all the healthcare podcasts in a room, if we all got to go to hymns, you wouldn't need that big a room. <laughs> so we need to continue to, I think, educate and get the word out so that you know, that room will have 50 of us next year because there's so many topics that that people are blogging about that they need to be podcasting about as well. That's so true. Well, once again, thank you so much, uh, Joe, for being on the show, and we look forward to some great content. Thank you so much, Todd. Appreciate it. You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast. We were on with Joe Lavelle with Intrepid Now. You can find that at intrepidnow.com, and we thank you for listening.